dude, I think that shit's trademarked. Hey, everybody, welcome to the, uh, to the Big Awkward Silence program. Hi, Woo! yes. <laughs> yes. Half ah. hour later. Because we had to fit all these people in here. And apparently get you fucking <laughs> your beverages. Yeah, I get my beverages. You, no. you look very parched today. I'm thirsty. Uh, it's the show that gets you from the spotlight into the green room with some of your favorite stand-up comics, as well as some of the best undiscovered talent here in Las Vegas. Uh, if you're watching the show live, please, I'm begging you to ask us questions in, in the live chat, because we have like three questions, and that's it for every show. So we need your help. Yeah. If you miss us live, uh, email awkward at vegasvideonetwork.com. Uh, subscribe to the show. Get the audio-only version. Brant Tobler is my co-host, and he's amazing. Hey, friends. Yep. How are you guys? So I have lots of questions I want to discuss yes. with you. But I, uh, uh, I did a little comedy I want to talk about. And if I learned anything about this business, is close strong. So That's let right. me go first. Uh, I, uh, I finally got a chance to do Barnhart's Room right next door. Oh, you did? I yeah. just walked in there and looked at it. When I, was when I was coming here. Yeah. It's huge. It is, it is amazing. As far as the actual like, aesthetics of the room, the, one of the best clubs I've ever been in. Uh, it's, almost, it's almost like a small theater, right? And uh, you know, big curtain behind, huge raised theater. The seats, uh, but it's not seated like a theater. I mean, the seats are right up at the mm -hmm. stage. You know, so it's perfect for comedy. Uh, you know, he, had, he was cool. He offered us spots, uh, you know, just let him know in advance. I finally got around to, to getting down there to do it. Uh, and I got to tell you, so it was, it was a Tuesday night, and the room's only been open for five weeks. So, and it's at the Clarion. So it's not like it was, uh, you know, standing room only. Yeah. There, there, was, uh, there was probably about 25 people there. Um, but this is what I will say about that room. Uh, the people that go there want to see stand-up comedy. You know, like, that's the plus of a room like that. It's a little off the beaten path. You have to want to go there. But the plus side of that is the people that do are there for that show. You know what I mean? That's what they paid for, and that's what they want to see. So it was only 25 people, but it was a great 25 people. Um, and, uh, and the way Don does it is, is really cool. If he's in town, he headlines it. Uh, it almost kind of had sort of a, a New York feel to it in that, you know, so uh, he had himself, he had me booked, uh, and another comic, and then he's also, uh, you know, teaching a, a, a workshop, I guess. So he, got, he let one of the dudes from his workshop do five minutes. Uh, nice. And, uh, you know, the, the MC is, a, is kind of a newer comic, so he's just kind of letting, it's a good mix, you know, some, some pros, some up-and-comers, uh, and it's just, it's just got a really good feel to it. So I had, a, I had a great time in the room. Question already? Yes. Right. We've got two questions that are very similar. They ask, uh, do you guys write for what you think the audience will like, or do you write what you think is funny and they can just take it or leave it? I'm pretty sure, yeah, I mean, you can't write for what you think an audience is yeah. going to be like. That's a disaster. I've, I've done that, like, when, when I was younger, if I looked out and, I, and I'd see, like, older people, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, and I'm, I'd, I'd get freaked out. No one's material is that universal. Yeah. Like, if you have a mind that could literally write for any kind of compartmentalized audience, you should be doing something better than stand-up comedy <laughs> with your time. Uh, you, you just got to tell your jokes, man, yeah. and hope, hope people are on board. You can adjust what jokes you tell. I will say that. Like, I will tone it down if it's all old people or, or sometimes you just go I'm just gonna do what I want yeah. but I mean you can kind of take them on which path you want to go and sometimes you have to go off the path you want to go to try to keep them but you can't you can't really write for an audience because you never know how an audience will be right and just because they're old a lot of times old crowds like dirty shit and are fun and then sometimes like if I have an old crowd I like where be, this is going that'll be great and then if you have a young crowd a lot of times they're on their phones playing angry birds and shit yeah I mean it's there's no rationale to it honestly right the, so in a way you kind of just tell your jokes anyway but I will what I'll tell on a Tuesday night 
is different than what I'll tell a late show Friday, Saturday night. Right. The one thing I will do is, uh, is my approach will sometimes be different. You know what I mean? If, if I'm doing a late show Friday night, I know it's going to be a little rowdier, so I'm going to come out with more energy, yeah. and I'm going to be you know, almost, uh, almost a little angrier, you know, kind of attacking uh, a little bit more. Whereas if it's a Wednesday night, I might be a little bit more laid back. So those are sort of some adjustments that I yeah. make. But as far as material... Black crowd, white crowd. I mean, that, that would be one of my biggest adjustments is if it's an all-black crowd rather than if it's an all-white crowd because... I know we've talked about it before, but if it's all black crowd, you can't come with a bunch of bullshit. They'll, you know, they're yeah, not going to They will just, not giggle politely yeah, and yeah, clap. There's not going to be. You have to bring it. And that's why we all would rather perform for black crowds, because there's no political correctness. You can just bring it. Whereas if it's an all white crowd, like we said, there's a lot of times they suck. Like we, we've talked about a million times, the worst crowd to me is an all white crowd with black people in the back, because they're always late. <laughs> and that is, the, but no, that's a joke, but that is the worst thing that can happen because then the white people feel like the black people in the back are watching them and it's the they worst. They can't see what's going on, it's so now a, they're too concerned. It's like, I see. It, and that's a really a part of the equation that it sucks, but Possible it's true. Possible assault is a part yeah. of the equation. Yes, another question. So no to Brand, are you having fun, do, you've been doing this for quite some time now. Have you, or are you having fun doing comedy or is it beginning to be more of a grind, more of a job? No, no, I love it, I love it. I, it's what I look forward to every day. I mean, it, it's a, it, it is a job, but it's a, I mean, I couldn't, there's nothing better than doing it. I mean, it's awesome. Right, there, but there's now, no, I mean, I, maybe we, I complain about shit, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I, right. I mean, it's what, it costs me relationships and stuff, but it's what I think about literally 24-7, and I, and I love it. I love it more than anything in the world. That's the, sort of the X factor. Comics, if, if you haven't learned by now, 20-whatever shows in, uh, you know, between the two of us and, you know, virtually every headliner, maybe three really positive guys that we've had, but the rest of them, it's just a giant shit fest. All we do is complain about it. Complain. I promise you, there's not one thing any of us would rather yeah. be doing. Not one. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, I would. It, it's a grind right now, and it's not. I, I used to. I've, I had when I was gambling. I had a ton of money and shit. But like, I wouldn't. Even being a broke comic is better than being a rich like office worker or something. Like, I do. I literally. It's so cliche, and people always say it. Do what you love. But it's so true because I just love it. I don't, I never, I just love it. Even if I bomb, I love it in a weird way. It's like this is what I, it's like being a professional baseball player and you strike out all four times, you're still a fucking professional baseball player. But because at least, but you know what it is? It's like at least you felt something that day. Yeah. That's what I always say. You know, that's why, you know, I, I've, I've, uh, you know, it, it used to happen a lot with my podcast where I would have these hardcore group of, of people that would love me and then I would get all this email from people that just fucking hated me <laughs> and then I'm like, but you know what, at least I made that person feel something. Like the, the worst thing you could ever do is just be a nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like get up, you know, and, and I know because I work a day job. I get up, I go into the office, I do the shit I'm supposed to do, I go home and then I think to myself, if, if I was dead, would this have mattered at all? You know what I mean? It doesn't. But, but at least, you know, whether someone loves me or whether somebody hates me, if I get a standing O or if I get booed, I made somebody feel something that yeah. day. And I'll take that. And there's no, it's not like a regular job. You go in, like you probably go to your job and the same shit happens every right. single day. Exactly. I, there, that's what's exciting about it. You yeah. never know. I could go to a show and... A celebrity could show up and Dave Chappelle could show up and do time in front of me, or it could be an awful crowd, or I could crush in front of someone important, or I You've could bomb in front of. You've had multiple shows where weapons have been involved. Yeah, yeah. I, or I mean, you never. That's the coolest part about it, and weapons. you just never know. Not weapons, right. but uh, when you walk out on stage, it's like a, it's like a new. It's like when you date a new chick, every night's like a new chick. Right, people ask, like, why do you still get a little bit nervous uh, every time you go on stage? I'm like, well, because I'm pretty sure I know how this is going to go. 
but I'm not fucking positive. Yeah, yeah. I've been on stage where I thought I knew what was going to happen, and then just a bunch of crazy shit happened. So it, it's it's true. It's uh, yeah. It's still the best. We uh, always best complain, game. but it's right. not. There's nothing to complain. I mean, it's just part <laughs> right. of being a comic. I'm, I'm sure that guy's a comic. <laughs> when, like when you got you, 23 down hours, you're going to complain yeah, about shit. What else you got? You got full time. You're not famous. So you <laughs> right. What else we got, Scott? Come up with your material, Scott wants to know, and also a follow-up to Brian. Does your regular day job give you a lot of material for comedy? Uh, as far as where material comes from, I mean, you know, th that's a question you get all the time, and you can't, you can't really say. What I, yeah. Well, what I would say is that in the beginning I wrote, I would try to write, and now the more you do it and you get away from writing about jokes and then you start talking about your own life, then you, like, right. like I, I always say I just do it on my phone. When something happens, I just jot it down. And, and the really famous comics I've worked with, you'd be surprised how much, a lot of them are older, old school guys. They'll have the notebook in their back pocket, and you'll be in the middle of a conversation, and they'll pull it out and just jot something down, and you'll be yeah. like. And, and the thing is, like, it almost takes, uh, you know, the reason I think that so many comics are damaged is you almost have to be damaged a little bit. To, to sort of see the world and see life in the way that a comic does, you know what I mean? Because you know, so you're on the bus, or you know, you're at work, yeah, yeah. or you're wherever, and you're like, you know, and, and fucking a hundred things happen to you, you know, every day, and you know, it's, it, it's like, fine, it's your life, yeah. but but you know, you have to be able to sort of see these things uh, in a way that a comic sees them uh, to to understand, uh, you know. That's universally funny, or you know, universally in quotes. Nothing's universally funny, but uh, that's that's sort of the the thing. So where material comes from, it's yeah, it just it just happens. It just being, you know it when you have it. Yeah, but just being disciplined about knowing it, and like what I've said on here before, I think it was Chappelle that said it. When I'm with my friends, when we all start laughing at something, I immediately put that in my head or I write it down because that means it's funny, you know. If, yeah. if, if and and just something simple like that, you jot it down. And maybe you don't do anything for it. And you go back to your notebook a year later. And it, right. I, that's one thing I would say that I didn't, in the beginning, write, write, write. And it might not be shit now, but you'd be surprised. In a year and a half, you go through your stuff. And a lot of the bits I do now are shit I wrote and tried out a year ago. And it was awful. And just right. as growing and right. stuff. So it just... And, and, and like we say every week, just write. And, it's, and people are always write like... And write it's and go on stage. Write and go on stage. It's the only two things that, you can do. it's so easy when it really comes down to it. Right. There's no tricks or any of that shit. You'll get lucky, you'll eat shit, you'll get, there's luck involved, you can't control luck, but if you just write and, Go and on get stage. on stage, yeah, that, yeah. That's all you have to do. As far as whether my job gives me material, Sometimes, you know, but it's sort of the same way. It's like I don't, I don't troll around the office saying, oh, fucking, here's somebody making copies. Let's see if comedy happens. <laughs> no, like, every now and then you, I mean, how many uh, bits have you written? You overhear somebody's conversation. Yeah. And it just triggers something in your some, head. Some great advice I got this week. Read, I read this book, and I took down a bunch of notes, and it said, uh, people that you want to ignore are people that you should listen close to. Because right. that's where you're going to get. And, and I thought that was genius, like, a lot of people I don't even want to talk to or even pay attention to, and I found myself just the last three days like paying attention and being like, "Holy shit! Yeah. It, 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 that's where material comes from." Stuff like that. And it, it, for me, it's actually almost the opposite. You know, uh, I've I, I've worked a day job most of the time that I've been in, in comedy, uh, and because uh, I've never really believed in the starving artist. But I, I can tell you that uh, of the of the four big composition books of of material that I've I've come up with. I would say the majority of it came in the three years that I was doing stand-up full-time. Because yeah, yeah. Like, there was nothing else on my mind. I mean, you know, there, there's something to be said. Like, my job's not even hard. 
and I'm done at five, and I can go do stand-up, I can go do whatever I want afterwards. But there's something to be said about sort of just being in it, you know what I mean? Like I come home now and I'm tired, and you know, you got a kid, so like things like that, uh, it's almost almost detract from it. So it's not like this, you know, I'm in an office and there's all this hilarity. If anything, it, it kind of takes away from it. Yeah, and, well that, and that's the difference, and that's why everyone says if you're gonna, you gotta quit your day job, because I spend all day thinking about what I'm gonna do at night. Like when you're at work and stuff, and like you said, I come home, and you perform once or twice a week. Right. Every day, like even right now, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do tonight at the show or shows, how many ever, whatever. It's just like, right. it just takes over your life. <laughs> it really does. And, and, if, and if you're going to be good, it has to. Uh, another question? Yeah, last one before we get with our headliner here. Maya wants to know, do you ever feel apprehensive doing material uh, either about your day job, might get you fired, or uh, material that might you get fired from a particular club that you're working at? I don't, uh, because at the end of the day, I'd rather be doing comedy than whatever day job I'm doing. Yeah. I, I try to be smart about it. I won't, you know, I, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, uh, give an address to where I work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't think you can. If, if you go up with fear all the time, fear will control you. When it comes to comedy, there's always something to be scared about, you know, if it really comes down to it. Uh, I, I was talking to a, a comic one time. And, uh, and he was saying how all comedy is at somebody's expense, yeah. right? Now, most of the time, comics put it on themselves. Like, you know, you're self-deprecating. Or maybe you're making fun of a store or just, just an imaginary person you made up. But a joke almost always, almost always has to be on somebody. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if you well, sit and be afraid of what everyone's going to think, then you'll, you'll never fucking generate any material ever. That's the thing now. As I used to write joke jokes, and I'm trying to transition to write about my life. But I will say that I do... There's certain aspects where I don't want to hurt people's feelings, and and maybe I should get. But there's just some people I just don't want to. Uh, that's the only thing I would hold. I don't give a shit about the clubs and whatever because they don't really like we've talked about before. They don't give a shit about us. Yeah. If I do great every single time, they they could tell me to go fuck myself next week. But yeah. if it's someone like if it's one of my friends, sometimes I'm like, man, my friend did something so great. I would love to talk about. But I I, I everyone will know it's him, and I. So that's kind of the only thing I hold back on, just because some people, I just don't like to hurt my friend's feelings, which is. You're going to need to get over that in Los Angeles. Well, I know, but, uh. well, those aren't my friends, though. Those aren't my, like, what I'm talking about, like, my friends here or, like, when I'm in Wyoming. Like, I understand how L.A. works. No one gives a fuck. And I'll be fine making fun of people in L.A. Yeah, but, like, when I go home or something, there's stuff like my mom or there's people that they want to be part of my life, but they didn't necessarily sign up to be a part of my act. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I can I feel like I, I can write whatever. It's not worth really you know, I pick and choose what I say about my brother or my cousin or my yeah. mom. Just cause a good laugh, a good bit is just their comics are are miserable fucking people with right. thick skin, but they're not. So that that's the one thing I've kinda just like sometimes I just go, Oh, that would crush, but my grandma's hysterectomy story, probably not right. what I wanna say, you know? Like so, yeah. It's not classy. I mean, I had a woman once come up to me and scold me because I called my three-year-old an asshole in a bit. And I'm like, well, first of all, he's not here. <laughs> Second of all, he doesn't know that word yet. 
Third, he's going to hate me regardless. <laughs> I have failed several times, and I'm not even you know, that far into it yet. So it, it's going to be OK. And you know what? I'm going to raise my kid to have a sense of humor, and I'm sure my kid's going to fucking bust my balls way worse. Uh, so yeah, I mean, on some level, you have to chalk it up to this is a comedy club. If, if you are here and you don't get that this is a joke, then I don't know what else to do. You can be mad. I can say what I want, and you can be mad, but that's yeah. where this has got to stop. And yeah. And the only only thing, and I, well, I know we talked about it before, is I just I've learned just from experience, don't go hard on women. That's one thing I'll pull back, no matter how drunk and stupid they are. Like if you call, hey, shut up, fat chick. It's just not. That's a mistake. Like, you can't do yeah. it. That I will hold back on that. It's just not worth it, no matter how fat and obnoxious she is. <laughs> If you go hard on chicks, you lose a crowd. You can't yeah. get them back, you know, so. Really quickly, before we get to our headliner, when you said go hard on chicks, it reminded me of something. Uh, did you perform naked over the weekend? I did. I did. Uh, there, uh, what was that? There's a blog on my website if you want to read about it with pictures, but luckily the pictures are blurred, so it's like Bigfoot. Bigfoot, little dick. Really? Bigfoot? Yeah, well, like little Come dick, on, Bigfoot. Tobler. But no, I mean, it's blurred like Bigfoot. My yeah. dick is not. I'll, uh, <laughs> I was, we were doing an all-night comedy show, Slumber Party, and... I was hosting from 3 to 4 a.m. I got on stage and I said, all right, we're going to crank this up. And I promised tits and making out. And I wanted something crazy. I said, someone's going to perform naked. Well, it got to be like 3.50 and no one had got <laughs> naked. So I was like, all right, well, I made a promise. So then I went behind the curtain and uh, was drunk and it was cold. I was trying to fluff myself and I couldn't. <laughs> Even, even make it look respectable. So then I just committed to it, had my shoes on and my hat, and I just grabbed the tip of my wiener and I just pulled it up as far as I could like to, try to, to try to stretch it like my whole hand was full of wiener, but it was really <laughs> just the very bottom. And uh, so I just went out with this long, stretched out giraffe, <laughs> giraffe shaft and uh, my balls hanging out. And uh, it's a long story, but you can go, go to branchalbert.com. <laughs> Rentover.com, there's a new blog about it, and there's pictures of the whole night, a really crazy fun night. I was taking a poop and got blasted by balloon dicks. A lot of crazy shit. Go to my website, read the blog. It, it's worth it. It is. Uh, we have a great headliner. Did this is, <laughs> Let's go to that. All right, that's, that's enough of you. Fucking, oh, never mind. <laughs> Bigfoot my ass. Uh, let's go to our headliner, Blurry. everybody. Only blue. All right, so uh, our headliner today is, uh, is really one of the mainstays in the Vegas comedy scene. Uh, he is also a, a fantastic DJ who you can hear here in Las Vegas on 93.2. 92.3. Did we just go over this on 92.3? I, I told you the wrong thing just to make you look like an asshole. <laughs> oh. 92.3, comp the gooch. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Brandon Hahn. We call him gooch. What's up, man? Hi. Good. Hello, what's going on? We do the handshake. Let me just start off by saying that the Brant Tober naked story is not the first time he's done that <laughs> at the same location. Really? By Go the ahead. Way. Sure. A few years ago, Brant shows up from <laughs> Wyoming. He had this extra large Wyoming basketball jersey on. And he's like, look what I'm going to do on stage. And, we're like, and I remember I ran up to him. I go, you got underwear on there? And he's like, whoa. And he freaked out. I'm like, okay. And so the whole game was, is did he have underwear or not? Well, then we ended up finding out. Brand goes up with just a basketball jersey on, bends over. We all saw the goat. Oh. <laughs> just ball sack and dick tip. I you forgot know, about like, that. Thanks. But I wasn't naked. I was in a big Wyoming jersey. It looked like no, a dress. Dude, no, but then, he bent over. Dude, that's and naked was, enough. Yeah, Come dude, on, believe man. me. It was I forgot just, about that. He just but it'll him. never happen again, I promise. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. I don't think you could make Until that Until showtime. Girls, right. the, girls yeah. in my life did not like that. They were very upset. I thought it was pretty epic. Well, I, I, this is kind of what I want to do today. I kind of want to hear about the whole Vegas scene. Because you two, 
You two and, and Matt Markman, if, if you talk to anybody who's involved in comedy in Las Vegas, whether they're a comic, whether they're a fan, there's not one person that doesn't know at least one of the three of you personally, if not all three of you. Yeah. So uh, I kind of just want to pick your brains. Well, Tell we, me a little I'll, about I'll say this. When I started, Gooch was ahead of me, and I, one of my first memories is seeing Gooch, and I always looked up to Gooch. And I remember at one point I went to Gooch and said, man, I want to be like you. I want to change my style. And, and luckily, Gooch said to me, uh, Nah, man, you got a good style. You're like Snoop Dogg, man. Just you're just like chill. You don't really give a shit, and uh, right. that was that was like a real thing. Cause when I came onto the scene, he was he was the man. So we all kind of want to be like him. He was ahead of me and Markman. So. When I when I moved here, actually, uh, the the first open mic that I did was at a place called um, the Beach. Oh, yeah. And uh, beach. yeah, and uh, so I no you know, longer here anymore. Right, and and it was because I just looked for open mics and and I found out about this one and I stopped by and. Uh, you're exactly right. Like you, you used to to work there, uh, you know, from time to time, just work out some shit, and uh, and it was sort of clear that it was a bunch of open micers, and then you kind of had a little bit of seasoning to you. But uh, that whole room was was hilarious because it was a nightclub, a shitty nightclub, Sh shitty nightclub, and uh, and the, <laughs> the the comedy part was one night a week, and uh, this uh, this big lesbian lady who worked for a nonprofit organization, used to, uh, used to run the open mic. Mm -hmm. And Shelly. she literally, yeah, yeah Shelly. And uh, she was cool as hell. But she used to, <laughs> she had like a brick wall on wheels that she would like oh, yeah, put yeah, in yeah, the yeah, middle yeah. of the room. But it wasn't even a brick wall. It was like a wall with like a brick wallpaper. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a brick wall. <laughs> and she would wheel it out, but into the middle of the room. Like nobody could, you couldn't even fool somebody into thinking it was a brick wall because you could literally walk completely around the brick wall. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and, and used to work there. I'll never forget, I think my second time ever there, right before I went out, she worked for this nonprofit organization and she had a big heart. And, uh, and I guess like she, there was some sort of a tragic story like with, with one, one of the women at her organization. <laughs> so literally before she brought me up, she's like, I hate these stories. And she had this Starbucks like venti oh, cup. Yeah, yeah. And she, uh, you know, she told this like horrible story about this woman uh, that, that came to her for help. And then she passed the Starbucks cup around to see if anybody wanted to donate. And then she brought me yeah. up. Hey, you guys ready for laughter? <laughs> oh my, I'm curious of the sadness. Fucking, <laughs> oh, well, uh, I felt like taking the cup afterwards. Like, I, <laughs> I, I this. Exactly. This I went is up the there. tragedy. Well, you oh, know, man. at the time, that was like the biggest room. That was like yeah, our that best was room. room. That was like, we were like, oh, God. It wasn't God, bad. Tell you the truth, it wasn't bad. Because that was the thing in Vegas. Like, not up until recently, there were no clubs in town that would even want to smell us. It was just like, hey, you know, we do comedy. We've been doing it for a couple years. Is there any way we can get up to a guest spot, maybe try out, maybe open for you or whatever? Ah, uh, no, no, no. And it was just, they just automatically assumed that we were just way too filthy, way too dirty, which we were. But I mean, it was so they like, nailed you know, that part. yeah, exactly. Every joke was about, you know, dick and fucking and drinking. And it was just, you know, so I mean, I, it probably wasn't the easiest thing. I mean, going up in this town, trying to, trying to start out in this town is the worst mistake so many young comics can make because it's just, there's not enough. There is only like a few clubs here. Even yeah, today, yeah. there's still, only like yeah. a few clubs. There were no Don Barnharts. You brought them up earlier. Right. There were no Don Barnharts that would actually like let us go up. And even though we weren't seasoned and try it out in front of a real comedy club audience, I mean, it's like we really had to grind. Yeah, and, and, I, and I remember calling around and, and it, it is better now, but uh, even when I first got here, so we're talking five uh, years ago, uh, the, the comics that were working here had been working here for 20, 30 years. Yeah, I mean, there, right. there was no, like, even if you, you went to, like, you know, a place like the Improv, you, you weren't getting the same guys that were working the Improv in other places. You, you got, you know, you, you were getting, and there, there wasn't comics here that were under, like, say, 
50. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still kind of <laughs> like, like that. that. Yeah. It's still kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, just a, there's a couple, couple of rooms now. A couple rooms have committed to trying to use us and use younger guys, but it's still a good old boys network that is really hard to break into. Yeah. And like you said, any other city in the country, you start it, they do an open mic at the comedy club, you work your way to MC, you work your way up. Here, they just say beat it. You can buy a ticket or get the fuck out of the way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just... can't even hang out. That was the thing that threw me. Like at least at the beach, there was a bar and you could go sit there and I could like talk to other comics. Uh, that doesn't even exist here. Like you can't. There's some open mics, but you can't go to like a real club. Uh, you know, b- before the LA Comedy Club, uh, you know, opened up and I and I started to to know the guys there. But you can't go into the improv and just be like, I'm a comic. Is it cool if I just hang out? No, they'd be like, No, of course yeah. not. Get the fuck exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And exactly right. I mean, well, now it just seems like. Some of the younger guys that just got started, it seems like they always have to go through some of these courses, pay the money, learn how to do comedy, take the class, and then it's like, all right, now you can get five minutes in front of some of these, with some of these shows. And it's like, Brant and I, we just started from scratch. It's like, let me just go out there, take a possible bottle to the head, and just, (laughs) you know, and make it happen. And that's pretty much what we did. Well, it's a thing we always joke about, too, when we meet comics from out of town, and they're like, yeah, we got these gigs pays this or whatever, but it's shitty. We're like, we do shitty gigs for free. <laughs> exactly, do fucking, not complain. Yeah, you know what no we get paid we, in? Never... We, get, we get paid in blue labeled beer is what we yeah. get paid in, you know what I mean? Thank you, paid in, Thank you. A lot Take of that shit to your landlord. Exactly. That's what I'm getting paid to do this show, you know what I mean? That's what I'm getting paid for doing awkward silence. Blue labeled beer, my favorite. That's what's stipulated in your contract. Well. So, so what about what about doing something like what Brant's doing? Finally, just saying, you know what? Enough is enough. I've I've been here. I've paid whatever dues I'm going to pay. I'm going to fucking get out of here. Well, th- I will tell you this: like uh, Brant and myself and some of the other comics, like you're you're stuck in the scene for so long that it starts to eat at you, and it's and you and you really start to kind of get a little paranoid. So it's like you do want to get out. Problem is, is I've got a great situation with the radio on Comp Night at two point three, like. Right. I, I really have a great job, and I get to meet all these comics, and a lot of comics that it would take me years to meet if I were in L.A. just trying to hang out till they give me respect. But now these guys, they see me, and I interview them, and they're like, hey, you know, oh, it's Gooch. Hey, what's up, man? You know, and, and it's like they actually know me, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's not, like I'm an, it's not like I'm a somebody, but, I mean, it's, it's at least somewhat of a, a, a building point, you know, mm. to, to at least start from and I mean it's like but granted like Brand even brought up he goes you've known enough people you know you could go out to LA and at least have a little bit more of an advantage than somebody that just started oh know? for sure and he will sure. what he doesn't understand is when he will and what I didn't realize how strong it was just going out there working with these guys and becoming friends with them here and going in the trenches a, a lot of the guys that come through here give Vegas comics respect like because we'll take them to our shows and be like, man, you guys do the shittiest shows ever. Right. So just being in L.A. for the three weeks I was, L.A. comics would come up to me and go, like, how do you get these spots? How do you know all these guys? And, just say, Cause we mm-hmm. bat- and then that's what Gooch will see when he goes out there. Everyone that kind of gave me advice, like, oh, I don't know about going to L.A. And I was like, fuck it. But then when I got there, everyone... With developing these relationships and like if you're doing comedy in a town you gotta town, be funny too well yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, like, right. yeah funny, well, that's what I always say funny's the given though. Yeah. like if you're not funny you're gonna fuck up every chance you ever had so you gotta be funny but, yeah, but, but that's not gonna take you to the next and, level and, funny's and, not gonna take you and just not being a, and don't be a douche like that's kind of advice we never really talk about but if you meet one of your heroes just be cool I mean be respectful don't sit and talk about yourself but like don't be super fan and that's something we've always done oh, good yeah. at and and, and and then it'll all come back. But it's, right. networking is very important. I didn't realize how much it was till I got out there. 
and all these LA guys are like, how do you get these spots? I was like, I just became friends. And, and, yeah. and like what we were just and talking about, if you're in a different city besides Vegas, you can go to a comedy club and just hang out. They'll usually let comics hang out. That's what you should do. But hey, meet a headliner. I'm a fan. Buy him a beer. Can I ask you? We all love talking about comedy. Like, for example, there was a guy. We were, uh, they have this, uh, what's the thing they used to do with the Hooters? Uh, Friars Club. Friars yeah. Club. They had the Friars Club. Brad Garrett came in, right? Who's a, just one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen. You know right. what I mean? He's just a huge guy. But uh, this one comic that we know walks up and he's like, hey, Brad, I got my wife on the phone. Could you say hello to her? And I'm like, you <laughs> yeah, just, well, you, do you realize what you just did not to just yourself but to the whole Vegas community? You made <laughs> us all look like assholes, you know what I mean? If there ever is, if they are ever going to start up Everybody Loves Raymond again, we're never going to be honest. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Thank ass. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but that, that's the thing. It's like you want to you treat them just like a man. Nobody wants to sit there and be jerked off constantly, you know what I mean? It starts to chafe. I mean, you, wanna, okay. you, want, you, want them, you want their respect. You want them to look at you like you're a working, working individual as well. Re respect is lubricant in this metaphor. Exactly. exactly. Okay. Respect is a little bit of saliva <laughs> is what it is. What do we got, Scott? Yeah. Question? Yeah, Bill G wants to know. There seems to be a lot, or a number of comedians who are also radio DJs. Uh, are most of these guys trying to do comedy full time, or is it more of a part time gig for them? I think there's a lot of radio DJs out there that I love comedy, and it's like you don't do the shit that Brant and I have done if you don't love this. So I love doing it on the radio. I love doing it. I love just going to even the shittiest spots that Brandon yeah. and I have talked about. It's like I love it. There's a brotherhood there. The guy, there's a lot of radio guys that can instantly just jump into the clubs and, hey, what's up, everybody? So what's up with ladies in shoes, huh? <laughs> Aren't you ladies crazy? Right. And, and they just start belting out the hackiest shit imaginable. But they usually have a following, and, that, and that's when but it gets they, out of control. Exactly, <laughs> and it does, and it does. But the thing is, though, is you take those guys, they're good in that city. Right. You take them to another city, right. and they eat a bag yeah. of dicks. Right. You know? But yeah. the other way around, I think a lot of uh, <laughs> delicious, by the way. A yeah. whole bag. Because uh, you can't eat just one. Uh, so, uh, but, but the other way around, I think a lot of times um, uh, radio comics work well on radio mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times because yeah i mean you can be it gets dicey but you can be because you know you can be funny in short bursts uh you know if, if you control your own show you can kind of guide where it goes so you write to your strengths mm -hmm. uh i mean th there's a reason why uh every comic uh, who's ever been a road comic has had to do radio at some point or another it's because you know you, you be funny on the radio and and it, that reaches a lot of people and then you hope to bring those people into the club i mean that's the idea that's totally true but the problem is is this is what happens there's a lot of radio DJs out there that try to be the funny guy, and their egos are so big that they don't let the comic do what he's supposed to do. True. He's the, the, the radio DJ, look, everybody knows who you are. You need to shut your mouth and set this guy up and let him talk instead of trying to over, you know. And that was the one thing I had to learn when I first started doing all these interviews and stuff is shut the fuck right, up. Like, there was one time I had Ron Schock, and it was the worst radio interview I've ever done. And past guests. Yeah, past guests, which I know, right? And I'm sure he'll even see me and go, what a faggot. You know what I mean? Like, because, I mean, I had the Someone worst. Someone get Ron Schock on the phone. It was the Damn. worst thing I've ever done because I would not, I was so nervous, and it was like, I was so nervous, and I just, everything he would say, I'm like, ah, 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 you know, and he just, and I would, and as you know, Ron's a storyteller supreme. That's what he does. And I'm over here stepping all over his dick, and I, you know, and I made, I sounded, and I made, and it, I sounded like an asshole, and I made the whole interview fail. Well, like, one, one thing I'm sure that you've learned, and what you're just saying, I imagine if I was a, 
young comic who's a radio DJ, when these guys I came in liked, I would try to prove that I'm funny to them, mm -hmm. you know, which is probably That's the word, kind of yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Exactly. I was like, oh, I want to show them how funny I am. And then, like you said, just fucks up the whole interview. That's what happens. And like, for example, if a comic makes his way onto a radio show, he's always trying to out funny everybody. When the best thing that you have to realize when you're, when you're a funny guy doing radio is you don't have to be funny with every single one of your breaths. You, all you got to do is wait for them to set you up. And the, these guys and the professionals, the good ones, one of the best compliments I've ever gotten was from a number of comics. They go, thanks, you just made that so easy on me. Right. Because yeah, they're so worried. Hate it. Yeah, and they yeah they hate it because, because they don't know exactly what they're getting into. Yeah, you know? But, but uh, you know, sort of the second part of that question is why I think why comics are drawn to, to radio, a lot of them, myself included, uh, uh, you know, it gives you a, a medium. You know, you're putting yourself out there. Uh, it hopefully helps promote the stand-up, which is what you want to be doing in the first place. Plus, almost always the hours are perfect. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, work like, three to seven. Bro. Exactly. I, I wake up at the crack at two p.m. Right. So like, you wake up at two. Right. You work till seven. Uh, most clubs start, you know, eight, nine, ten. So it's perfect. You go straight from there. Then you can still sleep till noon. Yeah. Like it's ideal. It really yeah, is. Yeah, but the di but the difference between Gooch and the other ones. Gooch is a comedian. He could quit his radio job tomorrow and continue living and make a living, whereas these other guys. I hope. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you I mean, you're it. a comedian. You should do it and see what happens. Right, you're a exactly. comedian. Uh, I'm like, Brand! <laughs> I'll be the one telling the story about how I had to ride the bus here and almost get killed by some guy who had sarcoma on his face, coughing all over the joint. Did you guys get eight on the bus? Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, we got, we got another question? wants to know, is the podcast world making getting a spot on radio less important? Uh, it's diminishing the act of radio. Is what Across is. the board. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, across Anything, the board. Internet has ruined fucking everything. <laughs> TV dude. Movie it really movie. has. Yeah. By the way, Awkward Silence, great show. But here's the thing. <laughs> Don't watch TV, it's for assholes. <laughs> but the thing is, though, is like internet, as great as it is and as easily accessible as it is, it's like it really has diminished the whole entertainment aspect because now, granted, look, this is, I've, I've actually watched many of these shows and they're good. This is a good show. And especially if you're, if you're a fan of comedy, this is a great show to watch. The best part about this show is there isn't any other shows like this. There really isn't. There really is not. So that's what you guys have. But you jump on YouTube. How many YouTube celebrities out there? Like, hey, you know, this guy's got a this got a million hits. This pile of shit just right, got a million yeah. hits. What is this? And all they're doing is just yelling out these hacky jokes that they heard from movies. You know what I mean? So he's like, you just got knocked the fuck out. I coined that phrase. No, you didn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean that's and, and, and that's the problem with podcasts too because there are, the the good ones make it. Like right. Adam Carolla is amazing. Right. I mean, amazing. He was but a celebrity before exactly. he started podcasting. Yeah. And the thing is, and like, and especially like comedy podcast, like the Mark Marins and uh, Jimmy Doors and Rogan and all that. Those guys have great podcasts because first off, but I can guarantee you, you listen to their first couple of podcasts, awful. And then, then you get into you get into like their maybe their fifteenth, twentieth. And then it's like, now they understand that they don't have to be funny. They don't have to cram it full of humor. It, the most important thing is get your point across. And if you can make the point funny, then you'll be good. Yeah, and, and also, uh, to, to Malia's question, uh, I, I think a lot of comics aren't drawn to radio anymore because you can do a podcast and it can be everything you yeah. want it to be. I mean, you know, so I've been doing a podcast for four years. And, uh, and I have complete control. I can go as long as I mm -hmm. want. I can say whatever I want. 
uh, I, I was offered a you know a small radio gig in Tucson that paid under thirty thousand mm. uh, dollars. It, it pays it pays nothing. I'm like, why am I going to starve? Yeah. When okay, granted, maybe I still have to go to a, a job, but when I'm doing this, it can be anything I want to be. It's not okay. You got two minutes right. before the next song or the next commercial. Better be good in that two minutes and then yeah. show yourself. I'm like, why? When I could just do what I want to do. Exactly. So don't think, forget yeah. to point, point out Blue Able Beer. This is our sponsor. <laughs> right. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. It's like that's that's what has to happen. Right. When you, I love radio, and, the, and, and fortunately at my station, I've heard this a lot from like veteran radio people. They're like, I listen to what you do, and there's a lot you could get fired for. Right. And I'm like, wow. So my station lets me get away with murder. Yeah, because I mean, I've seen you do stand-up, and not not that you're filthy, but you know, you're oh, dude, you're hey, a grown-up. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? so yeah, is that I hard to about, turn that off. Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's like I, as you can go, if it's, as soon as we go through the tape of awkward silence, you can just count out how many swear words I dropped. You know, you're but, talking about dick a lot. I'm just, throwing it out there. I just I'm just throwing it out there. No. <laughs> I'll give you a quick example why podcasts better than radio. Because one time I was on Gooch's radio show and I said this long oh, thing dude. and he fucking hit What'd me with say? a highlighter in the face. You say? I said one of the competitive radios DJ. No, he said something about me being Mark and Mercedes. And the thing, the one, and the one, you understand, the first thing they told me when I was on there, like, don't ever mention, it was like they beat it into my head, don't ever mention a competitor because you don't ever want to give them a reason to tune into them. Right. So like I heard it and I was like, Brad, what the fuck? And I, and I didn't mean to get him. I meant to go chess and it hit him right in the eye. And I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't even bro, know I wasn't so supposed sorry. to say that. So you're sitting there like, what the fuck was that? What was that I thought it was about? a funny joke. And he's like, no, that's hilarious. Uh, we got a question, Scott? Yeah, Maya actually has a follow-up. Is it harder to get an interview on radio if they have their own podcast? Uh, no. I would no. think it's the other way around. At least you got some sort of broadcasting experience. You got a little bit of... Well, I Plus mean, you again... you plug your podcast. But that all depends on the radio station. Like, I, again, like, my radio station, they understand that I'm, I'm really involved in the comic community. So they'll let me have whoever I want. And they won't ask any... They won't really ask any questions unless it interferes with something that's going on. Like, if a comic has a show going on Saturday at 10 o'clock and we have a paid situation going on, then I can't obviously have that comic on. Right. But for the most part, though, I mean, I have a real laid-back crew and uh, program director and, and a GM, and they pretty much let me do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. We, uh, we should, I want to know kind of, Gooch is the first guest we've had that's performed, I mean, he's had the chance to perform open for Larry the Cable Guy and perform in bigger venues and I mean like what the last one was what, like 2500 yeah 2500 what's, what's that like I was in South Bend Indiana where Notre Dame's at and that was uh that was wild and it was actually it was actually one of those shows that just kind of made me get my act together you know I was uh, at that time you see, like Brant brought up we're miserable people <laughs> miserable 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 but and just to cut in how awesome would it ever be? You can't be that miserable when you're performing well, no, in front of 2,500 people. But, this is what but I'm you saying. can. That's that's the great part about comedy. You can no, I'll tell you what happens. Exactly. I'll tell you what happens. You perform in front of 2,500 people. Amazing, amazing. And then you do it again. Amazing, amazing. You do it 15 times. 2,500. When am I gonna get 3,000? Right. When am I gonna get 3,500? I need Shay. You know. And then me. eventually you got to come back here. Exactly. And you're like, really? 15 people exactly. today. Exactly. Yeah. You mean to tell me Ant's got more fans than me? That guy sucks. Right. You know what I mean? Ends. It's just, it, it never ends. It never ends. And and I mean that was the thing. I mean it's like I'm looking at my life and I'm even my friends, my friends, you know, like in this game, like you see them, they do great things and right. you, you know, and you're like, when's my shot going to happen? And it's just, that's just how comedians are. And then I finally did that show and it really turned my life around. It made me realize that 
you know, just be a good guy. I mean, I'll never forget this. Brant and I, we, we, we had a, a situation where a friend of ours were kind of bombing on us because we were proud of what we've done in Vegas. And Brant posted on his thing. He's like, just be nice to everybody. I saw that on yeah, your Facebook yeah. page. Just be nice to everybody. Like, what's your deal? And, and it made perfect sense. And like when I did the 2500, it really changed everything because I got an overwhelming amount of support from everybody letting me know, hey, you know, we're with you. Mm. And uh, but then when I went out there, it was totally different. It was the first time I've been sober in like, you know, forever. You know, I mean, I had like two days <laughs> okay. sober because I well, flew so out there. smoking weed, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. smoking weed. I, I mean, had a huge problem. I had a huge problem smoking weed. Okay. And it was like, uh, and it's like, and I know there's a lot of potheads out there going, cool. faggot, yeah, yeah, yeah. pussy, you right. know what I mean? Like, I yeah. know, I know that's how it is, but it's, but serious though, it's like Brant can attest, he's like, uh, you know, but I, when I, Brant Tobler pulls you aside and yeah, says, we gotta Brant, discuss your weed issue, when Brant's like, like you well, know, you better calm um, it down. <laughs> Gotta talk to you, buddy. Take a knee. <laughs> but like, but the thing is, I was I went out there and I and I would, and I went great. And the thing is, is like, uh, and I'll never forget. Louis C.K. told Matt Markman and you. Um, he told us all pretty much. He goes, the best piece of advice I can give any young comic is do not smoke weed, because you, all you're doing is just killing the urge to write, killing the urge to create. And he, I never felt better in my entire life. And I went out there, and it was the weirdest thing. I was behind the curtain, and I could feel the audience. And I was like, I know what's going to happen. And I went out there, and I had one of the best sets I've ever had in front of 2,500 people. And people were even trying to throw me off. And I was like, wham, you know, just like, you know, those one of those days sure, where you are works. on, yeah. you are on. And it was amazing. And then afterwards, I was sat down in a bar, and there were some people there, and they were like, we wanted to see more. Like, I'm like, look, you have one of the best, most amazing uh, comics coming on right after me, and you still wanted to see a little bit more of me. Like, that's the that, best compliment you yeah, It's the best awesome. compliment yeah. I ever got, you know what I mean? And it was, uh, and, and that really changed everything. And, it and, 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 and I'm telling you right now, Brand, it, you know, and you yourself, yourself, Brian, like, you guys, it's, it's only a matter of time. And then when you do see it, it's just, I don't know, you, the feeling of all those eyes being on you and then you deliver, it's the most gratifying thing that can happen to you. i tell you a funny story just for my own stupid ego, but whenever I do good, I always go stand by the club owners. So then when the people come by that say like, hey man, you should have been headliner, I just go, oh really? <laughs> That's so nice. Oh, oh really? He's oh, no. told me this, he's told me this, and I always make a mental note to do it, and I never do it. I just go it. stand right by him, so if I feel like I did good, and then people will always come over, hey man, you were good, you were better than the other guy, you should be headliner. I just go, oh, no, thank you, I appreciate it. Then I don't say anything, and I just kind of look over like, do you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I could totally do that if you want me to. Uh, we got another question? Yeah, Scott wants to know, uh, are you more likely to get booked if you are clean versus off color. Clean, clean, clean. clean. Unfortunately, I'm not that. It's like clean. fucking a chick. Yeah. What are you gonna? Would you clean or dirty? Clean yeah. chick or a dirty? Dirty's always gonna be better. I mean, right. dirty's exactly. gonna be better. But at you that. know what? You're getting clean and you feel safe. Dude, or... totally. But the thing is, though, is let's look at it this way. What kind of a chick is gonna be a better lay? A girl that's gone to church every day, doesn't know exactly what she's doing, maybe had one partner in her entire life, or the girl that's had her uncle's fingers in her. You know <laughs> which one is gonna be amazing. She's going to be the one you're going to tell stories about. <laughs> stories or depositions? I'm what not are you talking about? I'm not saying you make her your wife. I'm just saying who's going to yeah. have the Dirty's better. always going to be more exactly. fun. But, but yeah, no, right. yeah, clean. If you can work clean, like Brian Regan's a perfect example. Brian you, you, I mean, you get, if you're clean, you can get booked anywhere. They don't even have to have that. If they yep. go, are you clean or dirty or how dirty? If, you, if, 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 if I, my advice is go clean. If, if you want to, if you can do it, 
I wish I could go clean because I, then you'd never have a problem. That's you'll always get, the problem. But you'll you'll also, so but you also can't force it. This is what I always tell people. You know, you, you, like, you know, Brant, you'll do better if you're a clean comic. I can't just tell you that and you're yeah, like, yeah. okay, I'm squeaky clean. You gotta be who you are. If it yeah. comes off as fake, it's the worst thing in the world. Well, the same way the other way around. Have you ever seen a guy like go up, maybe a young kid, trying his first open mic, and he's so over the top dirty, and it's just awkward because you know that's not who they are. Yeah. Either way, it just doesn't it's work. It's totally true. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail right on the head. You yeah. have to be yourself. Right. Comics, I mean, the, the comedy audiences sense phonies. They just right. hate it. If you're not who you are representing to be, they know exactly who you are. Right. They, it, it's amazing to me, the, the sense of intuition that a comedy crowd has. And I, had, I, I was talking to somebody about it, and I'm like, oh, man, I... I gotta be cleaner, I gotta be cleaner. And they're like, look, don't worry about that. I've seen, they've, they, they've, they're like, I've seen you do really great, and it's, I've seen you do really great, and I've seen you still get you know, medium laughs with, with the material that wasn't exactly clean enough for that room to really crush. He's like, but you have to go out there and be you. And just, just exactly what you said, I couldn't agree more. The, more you, the goal is to be you so much that you when you do a show, your fans are coming to see you, not fans going to a comedy club. And you have to. And that's that. how you that's how you become that's how you build a fan base is being you. So I mean when you're starting like like Scotty Pritchard on here, he's clean, he's committed to being clean and he fits clean. Right. He's gonna it be works clean. For him. Exactly. But if I'm sitting here like, oh I did a naked show and I fucked this chick and then I went up and told jokes about ducks, you'd be like <laughs> what? You know? Exactly. But the idea What's is up with the more you become yourself then the more people are going to follow you, and then when you have your own followers, you don't have to do shit. Right. You know, like, right. Well, what about, okay, well. Like Larry the Cable Guy can do whatever do he whatever wants. Do whatever he wants. Right. And that's the dream scenario. Well, like, true. for example, you're to he's totally right. I went and filmed a DVD uh, that you get at cdbaby.com, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I filmed the DVD and the whole crowd, it was about a little over 200 people, and they were all there for me. The second I walked up there, they gave me a standing O. The second I left, they gave me a standing O. Right. Now, that's because they knew me. Right. You know, yeah. they're not going to do that. Right. Very right. rarely does that happen yeah. when they don't know you. Yeah. Right. You know? Well, is it sort of on the opposite then. So you're, you're on the radio, and uh, I mean, I guess you got a little bit more of an edge to you even when you're on the radio, but you still have to be clean. Uh, have you ever had people that know you from the radio see you do stand-up and then just be like, whoa, like, what the fuck uh, was that about? You know what? Yeah. Early on, I did. Yeah. Early on, I did. They were like, Gooch, what the hell was that? And then now that I've actually honed my craft and like, have gotten better, calmed down, not gone up there. Brand could even attest. There used to be a time where I used to go up so angry because out here in the Vegas bars, you're so ready for a fight. Right. Yeah. You're so yeah. ready for a fight at all times. So I'd go up there and say a joke and, who was <laughs> you want some of this? You want some of this? You know me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's your punchline. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rack the muscle, kill me. You want to fight me? You know me? Just and it was like, and that's pretty much how it was. And then when I realized, and then when I finally pulled back the reins, and I realized, like, look, these people—they're paying for a comedy right. show. They're paying to actually listen to me talk. I don't have to fight to get their attention. Then uh, that's when things started to go right for me. And then. So recently, in the last like year, year and a half, more of my listeners have actually come and they're like, you know, I get this, like, I used to love listening to you on the radio. Dude, your stand-up is even better. Right, and, right. and they're, like, happy about it. Which is, that's what you want, ideally. That's, dude, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the best compliment. The best well, compliments they, I can get are that or, dude, what radio station do you work on? I want to listen to you. Right. That's awesome. They've both grown. Like, they're more alike, like you said in the yeah. beginning. Now your radio is your stand-up, but Pretty your stand-up's just better because there's no holds barred, you know? Right. 
Well, and that's the thing, and it's like with the stand-up too. I mean, these are jokes that I've worked out constantly. Right. I mean, you know, Brand can attest. I, you know, you do the sure. same way. It's just you try a new joke out, and you know, it may not be that killer joke in the right. beginning, not and yet. then you wait a little bit, put a little. Oh, sometimes it might just take a one word, one word, whoop, whip that around. All of a sudden, it's the best joke you ever told. Right, and that's a frustrating thing. You know, going back to that first question we got, where's material come from? You, that, the reason you can't tell anybody, that's everybody wants to know that from a comic. Where do your jokes come from? You can't, the reason you can't tell them is because it's fucking impossible. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I can't tell you where I thought of this. I can't tell you why it works. I, you know, I can't tell you why it didn't work for two fucking years, <laughs> and now it does. Like, I can't explain this to you. You just gotta do it one time. You'll never have a VH1 storyteller. It's about yeah. Brian Regan. So where did that big yellow, you know, the big yellow one does the sun joke come from? <laughs> well, I was down in West Virginia. Right. <laughs> like, what? I actually want to talk about something we were talking about earlier, because it, it kind of, it just sort of hit me. We were talking about, Okay, so the, the sort of the bitterness of, of, of comics, right? You always want what you don't have. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're working uh, a room with 15 people in it. You're working a room with 300 people, 2,500. You always kind of want that next rung on the ladder. And, and it just sort of occurs to me, just, you know, from, from working the road as long as I did and meeting the guys, that, that feeling, that anger and that bitterness, uh, it's paper thin between that's what drives you to be better and that's what fucking just oh, dude. And puts you into the cellar. Like, if you, if, because if, I've seen the same thing. I've seen the guys that are like, God damn it, I'm funnier than that guy. You know, this is bullshit. And then they work harder and they want to be that. And I've also been with the guy who, you know, at, at uh, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, smoking weed, watching MASH, saying, this is bullshit. I'm funnier than all these people. Right. And you know that they're, and all they're going to do is just sit back on that and say, I never got my break. I never got my chance. It's paper thin. The difference is paper You're thin. You're totally right. Well, for example, like, uh, David Tell, Skanks for the Memories is one of the funniest comedy albums. Top five all time. Dude, I love Hands that down. album. Love that album. He was talking to Larry the Cable Guy's manager one night, and he said, how do I get an audience like that? I want that audience. And his manager flat out said, he goes, that's because you're doing comedy for the back of the room. And for those of you who don't know, back of the room means uh, the comics. Comics and the You're the doing staff. it yeah. for the comics and the staff. And that's when, and the thing is, is like, you know, Larry the Cable Guy reaches a broader audience, Dave Attell reaches guys like ourselves who I've obviously, you know, dissected every aspect of right. life. And it's just like if you notice David Tell always it seems the way I describe David Tell's comedy is he does the tag before he does the joke. Yeah. Like he does the t the tag is the punchline. Then the, the regular punch, punch yeah. then the bigger punchline. Yeah. And but and again, so so what is it? So uh well, you I, ask any comic, David Tell's an idol. To, I, you know, I love David Tell. 99% of comics will tell I think, you. I think, the one, I think that's the difference between immature and mature. Like, if you're a young comic, you do that. But like, like he said, when he got 2,500 people, we were even mad at each other at the time. I was still happy for him. Like, you get past, once you work hard, once you know you're good yourself, I think you get past that. And then you realize, and, and you've been doing it a long time. If he gets something and I don't, First of all, I'm happy for him. He's my friend. And then you just realize that's how shit works. Like, mm -hmm. if you're a comic that goes around and goes, I'm better than him. Why didn't I get that? You're probably not that good. No, it's because true. real it's, comics. It's all insecure. Because yeah. every comic knows you could get something tomorrow, either, either one of you guys. And, and w there's no rhyme or reason. I could fucking. Uh, anything can happen, especially in this day of like YouTube and reality TV. You could make a video of your cat puking on you. And blow up. Yeah, be and, more famous yeah, than yeah. everybody. I mean, you know. what yeah. am I gonna just sit around and go? I used to do that show with Brian. I'm way funnier. I mean, like, right. first of I all, if that happens, you better. That's all I'm right. saying. You better be so fucking mad at me if that no, happens. No, no. I think that's something that you. It's an insecurity, and, and and what I always say, it's not you. You're a one man company. 
when you're not against, it's not me versus no, you. it's not. It's, it, it really, and if you get past that, some of the biggest problems I had with comics is like, hey man, it's not me versus you, and there's no rhyme or reason. You may be a hundred times better than me, but let's say you didn't answer your phone, or like, you can't get mad about that shit. Yeah. I, I heard a story one time, uh, back in the 80s, when the Bo like Boston comedy was like it. Mm -hmm. The best comics were coming out of Boston, and the one that blew up the most was Stephen Wright. Yeah. And everybody was like, what? I mean, <laughs> right, right. are you kidding me? Yeah. And, but the thing is, though, is that guy was different. He came from a different point of view. And you know what? And now look at him. I mean, it's like, and that's just the way it is. What Brant said hit the nail right on the head. Just do you. Yeah. The, best thing, the best thing I've ever done in my entire comedy career is block out half of the comics that I know on Facebook. There is nothing I can't stand <laughs> more, dude. Went over there and did this shit. I was born to do this and all this. Like, shut up. You're supposed to make them laugh. You grab a mic. You say you're a comic. You just went out there and did what you were supposed to do. Am I supposed to go on Facebook and go, yo, didn't shit my pants today. I was born to do this. You know what I mean? Come shit. on. The more, the more, you, the more a comic talks about how good he is, the probably the shittier he is. Have but you ever done that? Like both of you guys, you know, coming from the same sort of comedy scene. Have you ever seen somebody like, like yeah, on we, Facebook, we'll, we'll like, dude, I ripped it up, and you'll be like, what are you talking yeah, we'll about? We'll text each other and be like, we were at the same show with this dude. How? Yeah, what, did he yeah. go on after we left? Or something? Cause yeah. what did he crush? He does. Uh, I, didn't he go on before you? Yeah, did, why, I mean, why, it's why, like you know, yeah. where, in what part, in what frame of mind did he go on there and make the rest of us look stupid? It's like. That's the it's, and that's the thing. It's just it's like, there's so much there's so much insecurity going on with comedy. Yeah. That sometimes you when have you're to not talk good though, but once you get good, then you know you're good. Then you don't have to worry about that. And that's like one of my favorite quotes: If you're good, you can tell people you're good. But if you're great, they'll tell you. Right. And I think that's a good way to handle. It. Like you never get on and see Brian Regan go, "Oh my God, I killed." No right. one talks about how they killed. It's no. it's hacky yeah, in it's, comedy. It's, it's, it's you never go, "I'm so good." No, you're. Why would you say that? You know. That's why we always talk about uh, us at our worst on this yeah, show, yeah. which we're going to get to in a second. But we got another question before we get to the Hellgate. What do we yeah, got? last question from the chat. Uh, who are your mentors? Mine? I'll throw it to you, yeah. Uh, let's see here. I mean, well, yeah. George Carlin, obviously. I, I remember I was so young when I saw George, and I just I didn't even understand the jokes, but I just loved how the wordplay that he had, boom, 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 boom. And then when I got older and I started to understand it a little bit more, uh, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is just huge in my opinion. Uh, Brian Regan, I didn't respect Brian Regan until I was in my late 20s. Uh, somebody just said, hey, watch this guy, or listen to this guy, and uh, just, wow, like just was completely blown away. And uh, you know, and like Larry the Cable Guy, there was the most important, most important thing I've, uh, ever had in my comedy career was um, I was backstage and I didn't I didn't go up, but I'm really good friends with Larry the Cable Guy's wife Kara. She's like one of the most. She named me Gooch. She she taught me radio, taught me everything, you know. And I'm backstage and uh, she goes, "Watch this, dude." And she, and this is at the Orleans. This is right when Blue Collar hit. He goes out there and the place is jam packed. He goes out there and raises his guitar in the air, and I mean, these people exploded. <laughs> and I mean, you could just, I mean, you could feel your skin just, it was just so loud. And I'm like, and she saw how blown away I was, and she just looks at me, she goes, one day, dude, one day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, I, and, ever the, and ever since then, I've been chasing, it's like heroin. I'm chasing the dragon. That's it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. That's that. So, like, so things like that, and <clears throat> so things like that, and as far as like mentors, you know, I mean, shit, I mean, even Brandt comes yeah. to me. There's been a number of times where Brandt's come to me and said, Gooch, you got to, 
you know, I mean, dude, I'm trying to help you out here, you know what I mean? And of course, I gotta act like a dick. Yo, fuck! <laughs> you, don't know me. you don't know me, man! You know, man? I've only known you for like four or five years, bro. You don't know me! I know you, Gooch, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's just, but that's just the way it is, you know? It's, it's... That was the thing I would say, mentor. My favorites are like Mitch or like Zach, but my mentors are guys you probably don't even know but they're the guys, like if you're, if you're a comic watching the show, like we tell you, go talk to guys after the show and guys like Jimmy Dore, Jimmy uh, Dore any, cool, anyone, man. the headliners, Tom Rhodes, any of these guys, they will actually mentor you because the great, the good guy comics will watch your set and then come over to you and say, hey, don't do that joke, do this joke, tag this joke, do this, don't act like this, like as far as mentoring wise, the it, great comics see the science. And we all mentor each yeah. other even now. Like yeah. I, or if Gooch tells me something, I, like I said, I looked up to Gooch right when I started. And uh, the guys ahead of you, like we always talk about, it's a fraternity. They will, like, they will truly mentor you. If you get in the business, they will help Unless you. Unless they're scared. Yeah. You know, and there's, yeah, a lot, yeah. there's, there's a lot of scared guys out there that look at you and they go, I ain't telling this guy shit. You know what I mean? But and, that's and, a compliment. And, 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 but that's a compliment. Yeah. Like there was a comic, uh, I don't want to name his name, but there was a comic. There was a comic in here, and I mean he crushes, crushes. Well, he had one. Of, he had a comic in be that went up before him, who is doing big things in L.A. now. But he went up there and just made him. I mean, just demolished, and he couldn't follow him all week. And then, and then the whole week, he's making up excuses. You know, just being a blatant dick about it. And it's like, look, if you were as good as you thought. You'd be able to take over any room, no matter who. Was up. Right. Yeah. You know, and uh, and there, there's there's also like so many little things out there. There's it's. It, I always look at comedy. I always compare comedy to golf. You'll never see, you'll never see Tiger Woods hit eagle after eagle after eagle. You know, that's the perfect golfer. You know, one shot, two shots. That's just that's that's a perfect golf game. You'll never see that. You're always constantly trying to perfect it, and you know some shows are going to be better than the others, yeah. and that just different depends courses, on different, different yeah, courses, yeah, just, different that's crowds, a good same deal. There it is. Uh, all right, Gooch, this has been fun, man. Uh, the fucking uh, that went really fast. It's, yeah, I feel yeah, like the right? three of us could just sit here and fucking bullshit forever. We got to wrap it up though. Uh, you've already alluded to like several hell gigs just in the hour we've been talking. Uh, pick a favorite and tell us a story. Well, you know what? Just being here in Vegas, dude. Um, <laughs> God, I mean, Brandon can probably name off about four or five gigs that him and I have done where. We're just walk out going, why the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, there's been a couple. There's been a couple. There was one actually right down the street. We're over here waiting for it. They're like, we got a big crowd, a big crowd. 20 old people. And when I say old people, I'm talking <laughs> oxygen tank, walkers, Vegas you know, yeah. Vegas wow, yeah. you know. And um, they all come in and they were kind of disrespectful to the host, who, uh, who Matt Markman. Yeah. They, they were kind of they were disrespectful, and I and I always have this bad thing where it's like if you're disrespectful to any of us, you know I me, mean, I got to come out there and let you know. So I went out there and <laughs> thinking I was being funny, looked like the biggest asshole in the world. I just started naming off all these old jokes and just like, hey, you went to, you know, high school with Jesus and all this other right. stuff, and just like, and and anyway though, I said something like. Uh, I go, you know what, I don't give a shit, get out of here. And they, they all, and this is, young, this is younger, this is a few years ago, all right? If you're watching, this isn't me now, but like, and they all collectively all got up at the same time and walked out, and I still wasn't done with them, and they had to move a curtain out of the way, right? And there was like a big old light, and I'm like, go towards the lights! Walk towards the lights! That was awesome. Huge, everybody, yeah. come on! Uh,
Go see him perform. Listening to uh, listen to him on the radio. That, is that is that the CD? What was that? That's, uh, the, website. that's the, uh, website. That's the website. It's your buddy under Gooch. construction com. right now. Your buddygooch.com should be out in a couple of weeks. Cool. Uh, all right. Go see him. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Brandtobler.com, of course. Uh, and uh, you can just find me here next week. I'll be here. Uh, take it easy, everybody. Thanks, Thanks for guys. watching. Bye. Thanks,